Welcome in to the Fantasy Football Fathers Podcast, where one of us is an actual father and none of us are priests. I am Trey Stinky Fingers Jose, (laughs) and I am joined by Tyler Big Irby Urbach. (laughs) What's going on? You coming in hot with the yeah? No, I just said yet. I said yet. (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) Who knows what could happen in the future? Not any of us are going down that path, but who knows? Who fucking knows? If you haven't noticed by now, we are missing Jimbo James Dreer, but we are keep on keeping on, baby. That's what we're doing. So in this episode, we're, we are talking about the free agency period that is starting on Wednesday, March 15th. But if you have been paying attention, the legal tampering, or legal tampering period has started on Monday. If you're listening now, at least it's on Tuesday. It has started, which basically means you can agree to a contract, but it's not official. And a lot of things have been happening in recent times. But before we dive into this episode, make sure you follow us on Twitter at the FF Fathers. Give us five stars. That's all we're taking. That's all we allow. Do it. Do it now. Uh, even if you don't fuck with us. Just do a little something for charity, baby. <laughs> a little tax write-off, you know? <laughs> We're not proud. We'll take charity. It's fine. Hell yeah. <laughs> hey, taxes are coming. Do a little tax write-off. Yo, I gave them five stars. You know, things happen. <laughs> Wait, how much is that in terms of dollars on your tax write-off? Uh, very little, but hey, every <laughs> every penny counts. That's all I got to say. So yeah, we're talking about free agency on this episode. Uh, it does start on Wednesday, March 15th, but things have been happening, and as we have discussed um, before this episode, honestly, um, when contracts are, are agreed to during this tampering period, it's very rare that things get reneged. Yeah, so right now, things that are being you know, reported, they are reported in principle. And they can't actually officially sign the contract until Wednesday, the 15th. Does anything ever really change between now and then? No. Every once in a while, I think there's, I can't even really think of a specific time period that this, this has changed in recent seasons other than the team, other than the player basically finding another team to sign with if they gave him a better deal. But even then, it's always, you're talking about very, very few does ever happen. You hear, you hear more about it in the NBA than you do in the NFL. Okay, so that basically defeats my first uh, question I was going to ask you. Has, has there ever been a time during this period where someone has agreed to you know, a big contract and then things change before um, the I agency can't, opens? I can't think of a specific time it's happened, at least not with like a major, a big name. Um, but I'm certain it has happened. There's no way it hasn't. There's a reason why this tampering period's around. Um, so I'm sure it's happened before in the past, but again, I can't think of one specific player, um, especially when it comes down to like a larger name. Um, that's somebody I would more likely remember. I'm sure it's happened with more like smaller guys, more you know depth guys, rotational pieces, things like that. Okay, well, well let's just dive right into this episode then, and assume things are going to be as they are. First off, we're starting off with Derek Carr. I. <laughs> God damn it. Fuck it. We're getting heartbroken, right? Well, at least one of us is. Well, 
you know, I, I already entered a relationship on Sunday, so might as well end another relationship with Derek Carr. <laughs> okay, I'm the Raiders fan of this podcast. He did sign a four-year, $150 million deal with the Saints, $100 million guaranteed. And obviously the Saints were big players during the offseason for the Raiders. They've been in talks for quite a while now, and they signed him to that four-year, $150 million deal. They also did re-sign Jameis Williams. Winston. Uh, Jameis. Winston. Yes, sir. Jameis Winston to a one-year, $8 million deal to stay with the team. So they got a pretty like, solid quarterback core going on right now. For sure. I mean, Jameis, I would say, immediately becomes the best backup in the league. I don't think there's much debate on that, honestly. Oh, yeah. No, no debate to me. Um... I try to think, and no one comes to mind. Is no one has that kind of starting yeah. experience, and also has has shown winning in the in the past. Mm-hmm. I'm honestly surprised because when they signed Derek Carr, they said that Jameis was likely to be cut, and then they then today came out like they offered him an eight million dollar deal, and he accepted it. I feel like he absolutely could have gone to another team and been a starter. Uh, I think there's multiple teams out there that could that would have taken him, and maybe like honestly, immediately when the Derek Carr thing happened, I immediately thought about James going back to Tampa. Oh, God, how funny that would be. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a new regime there and whatnot. Like, you know, the head coach, yeah. head coach is different, all that stuff. I know um, Bruce Arians is still there in, like, an advisory role. But, like, James Winston had some of his best years there. I understand he had, I understand went 30 and 30 one year, 30 touchdowns, 30 picks. Still threw 30 touchdowns. That's a mm-hmm. lot. That's a lot. Even in today's league, that's still a lot. Yes, sir. I mean, when Lamar Jackson won the MVP, he threw for 36 touchdowns. So that was only, what, four years ago? Uh, like five. I don't know. I'm getting old. Either I think, way. I think it's about thing. four years. So, like, you're saying, like, 30 touchdowns is a lot. That's a, that's a, that's a hell of a benchmark for a quarterback throwing 30 touchdowns. I know he threw the same amount of picks, but he cut down on those picks. <coughs> Excuse me. He cut down on those picks this last year with New Orleans. Like, he's showing better decision making. So, like, I'm surprised he's staying with the team on such a low deal because I think he could be a starter. I think he'd be a a good starter for a lot of teams. Um, so I'm surprised by that. Um, it's just it is what it is. What Derek Carr to the Saints does that make him valuable in fantasy? You know, we both thought you and I were in the same boat all season. We thought Derek Carr was going to be a top ten quarterback this year, and he wasn't. Mm-hmm. He ended up not being that. And he has been that his entire career. Uh, if you look at his overall finishes and fancy purposes, I think his best finish is 14. Let me double check that real quick. It is 13. Nope, 12. Okay. So essentially, he's been a top 12 quarterback once in his life. He's a guy that clearly shows up at the end of games. He has one of the best um, final drive records, you know, Trying to go go down and get a win since he's been in the league, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that the Raven or the Raiders had no defense the entire his entire career. But one of those things is that like he's going to a team that has a good defense. Saints have had a very good defense for a few years now. They're not just going to fall off this season, and so he doesn't. He's losing, I think, weapons compared to what he did have in Las Vegas. But with a defense that can actually keep games close, he's not going to have to stretch himself farther than he probably needs to. So, is he a top 12 quarterback this year? I'm not sure. But we're going to find out. 
Um, I have faith in him still. I had faith in him last year. It didn't work out. But I think he's still one of those flyer guys you can take at the end of the draft that could end up you know, being a, a, a real big boon to your roster. Yeah, I can mess with that. D- definitely an in, uh, uh, interesting risk to take, but he he's definitely worthy. Let's talk about Geno Smith. Signed a three-year, $105 million deal to stay with the Seahawks. And he will get one... He will get $52 million guaranteed in the first year of the deal. It's huge. It's a big bet. Yeah. Because, I mean, essentially, in a lot of ways, you can look at this. I mean, it can be essentially a one-year deal, and the Seahawks could cut him or trade him for not a whole lot in terms of like hit against a cap. So he's betting on himself in this. Um, obviously, he's making $52 million his first year, so it's a big win for him regardless. Um, I But, I mean... Even if, and he already came out, because the Seahawks have said they are still going to look at quarterbacks at the top of the draft, that they could, they're probably going to bring in a young guy to be underneath him. And he already said, he's like, I have no problem being a mentor to, if they bring someone in. He's willing to do that. He understands. I think Gino's one of the few guys, He's so, he has such, or no, he has no ego, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. He's He's been humbled his whole career. He came in as, a, as you know, a, a high second round draft pick to the to the Jets it didn't quite work out. Maybe he wasn't quite ready for it, but he he's always had the tools to show he could be a, a good quarterback. He's been in the Seahawks system for I think four years now. Last year, getting his first chance to be the starter, and he just knows that like this is where he's at at in his career, and he's okay taking a risk on himself because he he believes in it. And as he said himself, a lot of people wrote him off, but he didn't write back. Dude, how rare is that? Someone just hanging out on a roster for a couple of years, getting four thousand plus yards, thirty touchdowns. Very impressive, Virginia Smith. Absolutely. Let's talk about Daniel Jones. He got a four-year, hundred sixty million dollar deal to stay with the Giants. I I thought this was like really interesting personally. It's Forty million a year. Daniel Jones. Yeah, they, they they saw what they saw for the last three or four years, and they they're about it. I mean, obviously, he made a big jump this last season under uh, Dable, which is huge. I think Dable sees that he thinks he can, you know, make him into a good, a very good quarterback. Um, that improvement's huge. I mean, he went from his first three years in the league, he was. QB 25, 24, and 27, and this year was QB 9, right? And he cut down way on his turnovers. Um, his first, he only had five picks this year, seven picks last year, which is good. He was always, he had a problem with fumbling. Um, he had seven fumbles the year before. <laughs> okay, go from his rookie year. Look, these are his fumbles. 18 fumbles his rookie season, 11 his second, seven, and then six last year, only losing three of them. His turnover mark, uh, or giving you know his giveaways have drastically dropped. I think Brian Dayball is like Daniel Jones. Probably reminds him a lot of Josh Allen. He was a guy that that needed some development, but he's a good runner. He's more athletic than people think he is, and he's coming together. And who knows? It's a risk, obviously, giving a guy like Daniel Jones who hasn't shown a ton, a huge amount so far to, uh, to this point in his career. But it's a risk worth taking because at the same time you look at it, bringing in a rookie this season 
is it going to be any better? At least you've seen the improvement Daniel Jones. Uh, you bring in a rookie this year. Who knows what you get? Yeah, I'm with you. And you're, you're the college guy. Is there a, a rookie quarterback coming in right now that you I, think could replace that production? I mean, not specifically. I mean, sure, there's a couple. CJ Stroud and Bryce Younger look like they're going to be studs in this league, but you're, <laughs> the Giants are going to get them, not where they're drafting. Yeah, yeah, I feel you. And but man, four years, hundred sixty million. It's so crazy to see with someone who has really had put up mediocre numbers. Yeah, he had he's had one good year in the league. At least like yeah. like Derek Carr signed, you know, ten million less. But Derek Carr's been in the league for nine years and has shown you quality quarterback play um throughout most of his career where Daniel Jones has shown it to you for one year. Now obviously Daniel Jones has only been in the league for four years versus nine years for Derek Carr. So you're looking in terms of age and things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's a difference that way. But honestly, I for me, Brian Dable has shown so much. He's developed Josh Allen in one year with Daniel Jones. He's made him a significantly better quarterback than he was. So I'm going to trust in Brian Dable. Um, Brian Dable, moving Dable. It, it, it's an interesting little take he got there. So let, let's talk about... Jimmy G. Breaking your heart one uh, more time. <laughs> God, I, I don't want to do it, but fuck it. This is what we got to do, man. It's just the way it is. You signed a three-year, 67.5.5 million dollar deal with the Raiders. You said 67.5.5. What did I say? You said 67.5.5. Yeah, well, which is the same thing, and and a half point five divide everything by half because <laughs> fuck it because it it's not going to be nice. I I'm not excited for this. I'm curious how you feel about this. I I mean, you're just paying money to get a game manager at that point. Um, a, a lot of that money is not guaranteed, but Jimmy G, quarterback of the Raiders, what's going on? It's not that bad. It's not actually it's not bad at all. Here's the deal. You sign him for a starting quarterback at $22 million a year, essentially, if you average out over the course of the three years, is not bad. Not for a starting quarterback. Especially one who's shown the ability that Jimmy G has. Is he going to go out there and win you a ton of games? No, he's not. But he's also going to lose you games. And I think that's the biggest thing. Um, The one thing that's going to be interesting to see is that Jimmy Garoppolo has, throughout his entire career, played with a very good defense. The Raiders don't have that. Mm-hmm. So he's he is going to be asked to probably have to do more than he's ever used to doing, and seeing him you know have to jump out of his comfort zone to try to actually go out and win games will be interesting interesting to see. But ultimately, this is a bridge starter for the Raiders. They're going to bring in somebody else. Um, I'm not sure if they're necessarily going to draft them high in this draft. Maybe they have eyes on a guy that they can pick up in the you know third fourth round to develop behind Jimmy G for the next few years. Um, but again, it's not the, the end-all be-all. Essentially, at this point, Mark Davis is trusting in Josh McDaniels to build this team up the right way. And I think he's giving. I think the signing of this being a three-year deal is showing some faith in him being able to do that. He's going to give him the leeway to be able to build the team to become a contender. Mm-hmm. I hope so. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Uh, Carson Wentz still has not signed with the team. Obviously, still the tampering period. Free agency will, 
will continue. He will find a team. Are we interested? No, I mean, okay, honestly, the next list of guys here, uh, Sam Darnold signed with, signed with the Niners, so he's off this list now. He signed a one-year deal just to be an insurance policy for Brock Purdy and Trey Lance. Mm-hmm. Um, Purdy's not going to be ready to, to even really start to throw the ball or be you know, not significantly throw the ball until training camp starts, so Trey Lance has a jump on that. Obviously, Trey Lance, Trey Lance they traded up, gave the three first-round picks to get up to draft, trade up and draft him at third overall a few years ago. I think Trey Lance ultimately is still the guy they're they're banking on being their starter, but Darnold's there for insurance policies, right? Then the other kind of main guys that aren't signed right now are, are Carson Wentz, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, aka Theodore Watercrossing, aka Teddy Two Gloves, aka <laughs> uh, Marcus Mariota and Baker Mayfield. These yeah. are all guys that realistically have shown small pops and bursts of, like, good quarterback play, but ultimately have been mediocre um, or average at best. So, no matter where they sign, they're a, maybe a one-year starter, or they're only there for competition or to be a backup. Ultimately, what it comes yeah. down to, Baker Mayfield is heavily rumored to go to be signing with the Buccaneers. That They seem to be, like, the one big player for him to come in and, be competition, maybe their starter, or even you know give competition to Kyle Trask. The other four guys, essentially, they're backups at this point in their career. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing yeah. I think would be interesting to see would be like if somebody like a Carson Wentz, who before the knee injury in Philly and Nick Foles took over and took him to the Super Bowl, literally was in the running for the MVP that year. It'd be interesting to see if he can go someplace else and resurrect his career as a backup, not as a starter. Or, and this is nothing to do with fantasy purposes, but I could see Carson Wentz, if he really wants to show he can be a starter again, I'd be interested in him going and signing with like a team in like the USFL. Oh, my God. Yeah. I know. We're going that That's, deep. It's a take, right? It's a take. But I think he just needs to go someplace where, he's not, where he can play and not have pressure on him to perform at a high level. He basically needs to, I think he needs to get his confidence back, right? It's one of those things, think about like any power five uh, school in college. They always play a cupcake first, right? They always play some mm-hmm. some division two team that they fucking wipe the floor with. And it's only there to build confidence. It's just mm-hmm. there to be like, all right, guys, let's get this first game on our belts. Let's go out and smoke these kids. And just so you feel good playing football again. I think that's what Carson Wentz needs. I think Carson Wentz needs to go to a, a lower league, get that confidence back, and then come back to the NFL. That is a wild take, but I can see that. And I'm, then, I'm with that. And again, the rest of them are essentially a one-year stopgap or their backups. Okay. Well, let's talk about the running backs then. Just to run through it real quick, we got a couple guys who are franchise tagged, which seemed pretty obvious probably yep. before the, the year started or the offseason started. Uh, Saquon Barkley, Saquon Barkley, for the love of God. If you could ever get that right in the first time, I will applaud you. Uh, Saquon <laughs> Barkley, franchise tag by the Giants. Uh, Josh Jacobs, franchise tag by the Raiders. Hallelujah. They made something, they made a right decision, finally. Uh, Tony Pollard, franchise tag by the Cowboys. But other than that, we got some running backs floating around. 
Yep. And there are some interesting names, especially when you're talking about fantasy, as far as guys who can be very productive. Like, like, productive? Pro- product, 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 productive? Productive. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> be productive for you. Uh, the main names that speak off to me from this list will be Jamal Williams, Miles Sanders, and Dave Montgomery. Yeah, I think at this point, I'm a huge believer. Jamal, Jamal Williams has always been kind of that RB2 or RB1B, however you want to put it. Obviously, he put up 16 touchdowns with Detroit this year, uh, led the league in touchdowns that way. And I I honestly don't see Jamal Williams really leaving Detroit. I think he'll end up re-signing there. Um, so I'm I'm not sure where he can go. That's at a better position than what he's already what he's already in. Yeah. Obviously, if you guys have listened to our our podcast, I stand alone at the top of the hill for Miles Sanders. I beat that drum like a motherfucker. I think he's. Yeah. I think he can be a very very good running back. I think he and. I, and I think he's shown that. I mean, his again, his career average, I can't stress this enough, is over five yards a carry. Yes. That is not, that's not, like, invaluable. That is huge. That's a lot. I mean, the guy has been productive. Even though he doesn't get it, get the most carries, when he does get his chance, he, he produces. Dude, you're going to be burying me. And you're just like, yeah, he lived a good life. But <laughs> did he realize that Miles Sanders had over five <laughs> yards per carry? I'm just saying, like, that's if you look over the course of like NFL history, there's not a ton of guys that have done that. No, it's impressive, definitely. So, like, I think if he can get a chance to be an RB1 somewhere, um, I think he can take advantage of that. Yeah. Off the top of my head, there's not a ton of places I think he can go to do that. Um, Carolina kind of comes to mind. Uh, uh, that's a good one because they can run the ball with. Is seemingly whoever exactly. Um, I mean, they had they had a couple guys last year after the after the McCaffrey McCaffrey trade mm-hmm. that they were still productive and they're both free agents. Or the Chuba Hubbard's still there, but um, Deontay Foreman. Yeah, Deontay Foreman is a free agent as well. Yeah. Um, so I think you see Miles Sanders going into a situation like that and mm-hmm. and being able to re- really produce. Uh, David Montgomery, I know you love and overall metrics show that he wasn't the best running back on his own team last year. Uh, behind the same offensive line, he's a guy that wins with volume, and mm-hmm. maybe and honestly, this, Carolina actually could be a good situation for him as well because he can get that volume there to still be productive. But I worry about him just because, and he's always been this guy. He's never been the most explosive back, most shifty, or anything like that. He just kind of always produces in small amounts. But when you give him the volume, you know it adds up. Yeah. Honestly, going down this list, there's a lot of guys that are going to resign. Leonard Fournette is on this list because he's likely to be released by the Buccaneers as a cap-saving move. Um, that's going to be interesting because he's clearly shown he can be he can be that guy. Yeah. Um. You know he he's Lenny for touchdowns. He's playoff Lenny. You know he he's been that guy. Going down the list, you have just a bunch of guys that are just there. Devin Singletary has shown a lot. Damian Harris, uh, a guy who's very productive, but again, always been a part of the committee. Kareem Hunt, who was a stud at one point in Kansas City, had the issues off the field, and then was still relatively productive in in Cleveland, even though he was behind Nick Chubb. Then Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, they could I think could both end up likely back in Miami. Jarek McKinnon is a third down guy. Two guys that we haven't talked about yet that I think are the most interesting are Rashad Penny and James Robinson. 
Yes. One, James Robinson, for whatever reason, is extremely disrespected in this league. I don't know what's going on. I mean, he's he's literally shown he's he can be an RB1. He's shown that for a few seasons now. But for whatever reason, fell out of favor in Jacksonville, got traded to, to the Jets. Dude, someone must know something that we don't. Yeah. Maybe and it's not public. Because he, maybe he's a terrible locker room guy. Who knows? I have no idea what's going on with James Robinson. But he, well, he went up to the Jets and like nothing happened. No. He wasn't even he wasn't even dressed for half the games. He was a healthy scratch. It it blows my mind. I, I need an explanation. That's why I, I need. I don't know what it is. To rest my soul. So then going back is like Rashad Penny. Rashad Penny has yeah. shown to be an extremely explosive back when healthy. Mm-hmm. But he's rarely healthy. That's that's the biggest thing. But like mm-hmm. when he's there, he 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 kills it. I mean, he's two twenty five, runs like a four four. Yeah. Like the dude just is a hell of an athlete. If he can stay on the field, he could be an absolute steal in this free agent class. Yep. But you're just talking about somebody who's not on the field. Yep. And if he can be, man, he's so interesting. Is someone I'll I'll be flirting with it throughout the offseason. See what's up with Rashad Penny. Definitely. Let's talk about the receivers. Okay. Uh, really not much is going on with the receivers in free agency right now. Uh, the only people who have signed deals right now would be Robert Woods, who signed a two-year deal with the Texans worth 15 and a quarter million. And Sterling Shepard re-signed with the Giants for a one-year deal to stay. Which, honestly, in my mind, um, first reaction makes you feel a little bit better about Sterling Shepard. I like him. He had some really good um, opportunities for you if you are in a PPR league. He can definitely be worthy. But, uh, you know, other receivers are still kind of floating around right now. Obviously, uh, probably the biggest name right now, pretty slow offseason for receivers, but the biggest name would be Adam Thielen being released by the Vikings. In my opinion, fantasy-wise, he's gone. Fuck him. I'm not interested. Are you interested in all in where Adam Thielen goes, fantasy wise? I, in my opinion, I I don't think it matters where he goes. It's not going to matter to me as far as me building a fantasy team. You know, I still have some interest in him. I do. Uh, he's you know, he's older. He's thirty two at this point. Clearly, he's lost a step. His story's amazing. Honestly, I didn't even realize this really until this off season. He went to some. It's like Minnesota State University, Manakota. Like some small small school, born and raised in Minnesota, signs an undrafted free agent in in Minnesota, mm-hmm. and is now the third leading receiver in Minnesota history. You didn't know that? I didn't know I didn't know that I didn't know he was like so unknown before it be, before he kind of broke out in the league. I did I did not know that. Oh yeah, man. He he came out of like D two, I think, and then uh basically auditioned for them during a tryout yeah, and built his way up from there. And now, again, he's the third leading receiver in Minnesota history behind Randy Moss and Chris Carter. Hall of Famers. Literally argue, like, they're both probably top 10, if not five receivers in league history. Impressive company, yeah. Yeah. But, hey, times have changed, my friend. I know, but he's still shown... I mean, he was receiver 36 this year, so he's, like, right on the, in the edge of flex territory. Um, ultimately, I think that the Vikings see this because they they want to give uh, K.J. Osborne more work. Yeah. Um, and so I just – I think Adam Thielen can still be 
somebody to reckon with in the league. And again, it's not going to be somebody. It's not like he's going to come out here and give you like huge numbers. But I think he's still in most games a flex play, depending on where he goes. Um, there's a few teams I think he can go on and be. You know, their wide receiver two would be a low end two play for them. But ultimately, if you see him into a more of a high octane offense where he can come in and be more of like a wide receiver three for that team, I think he can be yeah. one of those guys that still gives you fantasy production. That 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 could be interesting. I, I see where you're coming from. For, for him. Yeah. Borderline flex. Yeah. I mean, at this point, yeah. But I mean, and there's a bunch of guys that just just blah, blah, right? Jacoby Myers mm-hmm. is up there, and I think in any other system outside of New England, he's more of a wide receiver, too. But I think he'd be a very good wide receiver. I think going to a new position for a new, you know, franchise for him could be huge in terms of what he could he could prove. Um, it would be interesting to see him. Honestly, I could even go... Jacoby Myers goes and signs with, in Minnesota, and it becomes a receiver, too, there over K.J. Osborne as the understudy to, to Justin Jefferson. I think that could be huge for him. Say that again? Jacoby Myers to Minnesota. Be the wide receiver two there. Oh, that'd be interesting. Yeah. I think he shows a bunch of skill. I don't think he's a true wide receiver one, but I think he's a really good wide receiver two in the right system. I think in New England, it the being the wide receiver one there was too much for him. Not to mention that offense system was terrible. So I... I think if he goes into a better situation, um, he actually really, 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 really excels. Then you have a guys like Juju, who is, I would say, is most likely best off going back to Kansas City um, and being part of that offense. I would say so, yeah. Yeah. Then you have a couple other kind of middling guys. Alan, Alan Lazard, who could be a big play threat for basically any team. Uh, but again, is he going to be any better outside of Green Bay? Probably not. Number three. Yeah. Miko Hardman has shown flashes in the league, but is not on the field enough, and it's hard to say. Then you have a couple of kind of older heads in terms of like Marvin Jones Jr., DJ Shark, Kenny Galladay, Darius Slayton. Not, not that DJ Shark is old. I think he's like only like 26. Mm-hmm. Um, those are all just guys. You're like 23. DJ Shark is young. I, uh, okay. I mean, it's just one of those things like everyone else at this point, those are all super deep you know, plays in terms of where you're even drafting them at, and they don't really mean anything. So what we really need to get to is go to the big name on this list, and Odell Beckham Jr. Yes, sir. I was going to bring it up. What are we going to do about OBJ? I mean, he's the biggest news wide receiver-wise. Well, clearly. The, the, there have been known wide receiver movement as far as the pre-tapering period goes, nope. or how you would say it. Nothing... No one's made any moves. And from what I've been reading is the wide receiver market is too expensive. I mean, I don't, I can't imagine any of these guys being super expensive, even OBJ for in that, right? Because he's coming off multiple injuries at this point. But the reason I say that is because OBJ, I don't know if you read this, has not made any financial demands. No, I think because he's, at this point, he's going to bet on himself. He understands where, I think he understands where he's at in his career. He was literally the number one receiver in this league at one point had kind of just moved his way out of New York because he was too much of a problem. He became too much of a diva. Wasn't great in Cleveland. 
didn't fit, didn't mesh well with Baker Mayfield, and then has dealt with a couple major injuries since then. Mm-hmm. But he's Odell Beckham Jr. He he's one of the most talented receivers we've ever really seen in this league in terms of just what he can do physically. And he did have a workout last Friday in Arizona. He did a private workout. I, from the reporting I've heard, more than a dozen teams showed up to watch him. Guys are looking. They understand that like, even if he's... Obviously, he's never going to be back to the OBJ in New York. That's not going to happen based off the injuries, right? Mm-hmm. But we saw what he did for the Rams when they made that Super Bowl run. He was huge. Like, instrumental in them winning. And continue, and that that offense just changed when he came into that into that system halfway through the year after he came off the other injury, and I know he tore his ACL again in the Super Bowl, like on in the first drive or two. It was super early in the game, and that sucked. But like, he was huge. He changed the offense completely, and I think he can still be that difference maker if he can put together a full season. And he's only going to sign with a contender. He's not going to go and sign with someone like. Yeah. He's not going to sign with like Atlanta or or the Texans. He's going to he's going to sign with a contender. And if a contender, you know, I would Buffalo. I, Buffalo was going after him pretty strong um, during last season to try to sign him, um, and it ultimately never happened. But like, you know, you when you put OBJ in there with Cooper Cup with the Rams as a just a extremely dynamic wide receiver too, I think that I think he's still that guy. You put him into a system that has a stud number one like Buffalo does in Stephon Diggs, mm-hmm. OBJ is still going to be a guy that gives you points regardless. And, and in fantasy, not just in you know traditional football standpoints. Like I think he's a force in fantasy if he is in the right, if he can do that. You know, If he stays healthy, he puts up numbers. He just does. Yep, and I'm with you on that. If he stays healthy, he puts up numbers, which is the big question. So OBJ, I mean, honestly, OBJ to Buffalo, OBJ to Dallas, and Ooh. those are both teams that were high on him. You know, they mm-hmm. were looking to get him if he could come back at the end of last season. Yeah. He clearly wasn't fit, wasn't completely ready to do that, but now he has a whole off season to get to get back and you know getting strong and having having strength in his knees, which is basically the you know the two injuries he's had in the last couple of years of you know major ligament tears. Yeah, I mean, look at see him in both those offenses behind a guy like Stephon Diggs. Or CD Lamb, and that and those offenses are different, just period. Yeah, and he has been productive in the games he has played. Yes. So yeah, yeah. I I, I see where you're coming from. He's definitely very worthy. So receiver wise, that pretty much covers. Uh, I think everybody. Let's talk about tight ends real quick before we wrap up this episode. Talking about free agency signings. Uh tune out. Tune in with us next week because there'll probably be way more free agency movement going on but for the tight ends we got some interesting names going on here yeah don schultz still hanging out you know are the cowboys gonna re-sign the motherfucker is he floating on into the distance he has been a top 10 tight end i said that weird i think no, you said uh, right. Did I say a, a top ten tight end? You know, for most of his career. Yeah, I he, mean it's it's been a short career. Essentially, last year year he you know he missed some games. Um, didn't fit very well into the offense in Dallas for some reason. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was mostly because the injury to to Prescott 
and then him him and Cooper Rush just didn't mesh very well. Um, but the year before that, when he got the chance to be the full-fledged starter in Dallas, he was the tight end three. So the, clearly the talent's there. Um, I think you could see him going to another offense that maybe has, it just as a very good tight end, maybe he has some of Like I could see him fitting really well into like Cincinnati. Who Hayden Hurst uh, is a free agent, so they lost him. They could bring in another, another pass one. catcher. I mean, yeah. I mean, who? How are you going to c- cover Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and Dalton Schultz? I don't really have a counter to that because you d- you can't you can't yeah. guard you can't guard all of them. Yeah, that's a <laughs> hard one. Obviously, your your main focus would be on Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, but like. Tyler Boyd and, and Dalton Schultz and Schultz just working like the seams. You can't oh, stop that yeah. offense. So like uh, that's just a, that's a spot that I think he could fit in extremely well in. He might be a little overpriced for what they're doing there, just because they have they're coming to the, you know having to sign Joe Burrow. T Higgins is going to be due for a contract here as soon as well, so he might just yeah. be overpriced for them. But I love the fit there. Let's talk about Evan Ingram real quick, or talk about tight ends. Yeah. I think this is like very interesting because someone that has been very promising for a long time, but really not much, uh, you know, per, you know, production or fruition as far as fantasy goes. He was franchise tagged by the Jaguars last year, which, in my opinion, is not really a coincidence with the fact that Trevor Lawrence and the you know, obviously we 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 know everything happened with the coaches with. The Jaguars. <laughs> Urban Meyer to Doug Peterson, yeah. Yeah. So we went to Doug Peterson, right? Obviously upgraded in coaching. And it goes to show with Evan Ingram's numbers, and especially Trevor, Trevor Lawrence's numbers, Evan Ingram finished as the top, like one of the top five tight ends. In he was. P- in PPR or standard. Yeah, five for PPR, six for standard. But I mean, right there. Like, it's one of those, those guys. And... It took me until probably about week 12 to finally admit that Evan Ingram was having a good season because I just didn't want to believe it. He was one of those guys that showed so much potential throughout his career in in New York. And his rookie Mm -hmm. year, he was was the tight end five his rookie year. And so that's what I'm saying. We just kept saying, like, he's going to be such a stud. And then just things just kept happening. Injuries. And then, like, the, the overhaul of going from Eli Manning to Daniel Jones and all this stuff. And, like, it just didn't come together for him, and he finally got to a system now where he looks like he can thrive. Clearly, the the Jags want to see him do it one more year before they try to sign to a long term deal. You know, because who knows? They don't want him. They don't want last year to be just a flash in the pan. But I hate to say it because he killed me for so many years that like you have to recognize Evan Ingram more than likely is a top five tight end again next year. Yeah, and I'm with you. M- mostly because of Trevor Lawrence's growth. Yes. Plus and... another year year under under Doug Peterson. My yeah. only honestly my only worry and we talked about it in the last episode is Calvin Ridley coming to the equation. Cuz now as good as Christian Kirk was last year, Christian Kirk's not a true wide receiver one. Calvin Ridley is. Calvin Ridley's that guy. Um he he showed it before he got hurt and then the the suspension happened. So I worry that Calvin Ridley ends up taking away um, quite a few balls from Evan Ingram. But at the same time, ultimately, it might just end up opening up the offense even more. This offense has room to grow, obviously. 
Yo, am I being false by approaching this Jaguars team? Is like the Jaguars like uh, my year is gonna be so wrong on this. Like maybe two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Remember they had like a really good defense and yeah, your year's way off. That was uh, like that was like twenty seventeen when they went made the AFC Championship game against the Patriots and lost because Blake Bortles sucked. Oh, Blake Bortles. Yeah, see, that's yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah, but see, so their like offense, their offense wasn't very good. Their defense was elite. They had yeah. an insane defense. That's when Jalen Ramsey was still there. Um, AJ yeah. Bouye was on the other side and um, had Miles his Miles Jack. Yeah, Miles Jack was a yeah. rookie or second year in was playing really well, and so their defense was just elite. And so that's why they made it. Their offense wasn't great, um, but I but I think that with their defense now it's not amazing, but it's it's solid. And this offense again under Doug, another year under the tutelage of, of Doug Peterson, it's year three for Trevor Lawrence, and we talked about it um, mm-hmm. uh, in the in the past episode with Justin Fields about like that third year leap. That's a big thing for quarterbacks. If you see a third year leap. Um, you kind of expect a leap in the third year, and they don't, then you know you need to move on, essentially. That's what we saw with, with Josh Allen. You can even say yeah. we saw it. You can kind of say you saw it with Patrick Mahomes, but he was a stud from the second he got the chance to be the starter. Um, you just see that. The third year for quarterbacks, like things just start to really click. And I think another year under Doug Peterson, even with Calvin Ridley coming in, the offense is going to have the chance to grow and really just continue to get better. So... Again, Calvin Ridley joining in is a slight concern for me, but ultimately, I think the offense just grows as a whole, and he'll still be a stud, Evan Ingram. Oh, definitely a top 10 tight end. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I'm with you. And not even top 10. I I think he he finishes as the tight end five last year. I think he he is more than likely going to finish at tight end five again this year, maybe a little higher. I just don't know if I see much, uh, outside of injury, much production being dropped oh you think he'll match what he did last year i think so i do which would be nice i mean it's not like he had i mean we we need a more tight end competition right no one's asking me whether it be travis kelsey in today's league very few tight ends even come close to gaining a thousand yards um travis kelsey is the exception here but like as you can see in the two years that he finishes the tight end five he had last year he had seventy three for six sixty six and four touchdowns. His rookie year he had sixty four catches for seven twenty two and, and eight touchdowns. I'm sorry, six touchdowns. Um, it's one of those things like the as long as he's getting the production, I th- and I think he will in, in the Jack in Jacksonville. You know, roughly seven hundred and seven to eight hundred yards. You're gonna be a top a top five tight end. That's just the way the league goes, and he clearly has the talent to do it. So, yeah. Evan Ingram, top five tight end this year. Put my stamp on it. Dude, his his yards per catch on his career have been pretty consistent, man. Ten yards? Yeah. At least? Yeah, basically between like 12 and 10 and a half. Yeah. Yeah. I think ultimately... five years, that's impressive. I think ultimately in New York, you know, he had had a bunch of injuries that that hurt him. um, And then just less and less opportunities um, with just where New York was going at that time. So, talent's there, and yeah, again, I put my stamp on it. Evan Ingram, top five tight end in the next year. Evan Ingram, top five next year. Honestly, I can get on board with that, but... Honestly, I'm surprised I'm back happen. on board on that. I was against Evan Ingram for like three years straight because of like this kid 
is killing me. Because he had so much potential, it was killing me on it. It was the Giants. The Giants were killing you. The fact that he was on the Giants. Yeah. So he's back. He's back. I'm back on board. All right. Well, let's talk about three tight ends real quick. Mike Gesicki, Bob Tunyon, Hayden Hurst. Do we give a fuck? I do. But honestly, I think uh, Big Bob ends up back in Green Bay. Mm-hmm. It just seems like the right spot for him, regardless of who's playing quarterback. Hayden Hurst. We thought he's going to have a, a better year in Cincinnati than he did. I think at this point we know what he is. The guy that could break out here is Mike Kosicki because he's such a matchup nightmare. He's huge. He plays more like a receiver than a tight end. But he clearly needs to find the right system. Which is not in Miami, apparently. No, right? but... Like, you know, things fell off over but there. We, sh- we, sh- we saw a ton of promise from him before Mike... Change Mc- of regime. Yeah, before Mike McDaniels got there... He showed a ton of promise and had some really, really big games. Yeah, yeah and then, back in 2020. Yeah, he just, but like with Mike McDaniels, he just didn't fit. For whatever reason, didn't fit in that offense. Seems kind of crazy because they had, you know, McDaniels had George Kittle in San Francisco. And obviously very different tight ends. George Kittle is more of your all-around tight end who can block and catch passes and do everything. And, Ms. and Gesicki is, you know, more your receiving tight end. But I think in the right situation, Mike Gesicki can still be that guy. Yeah. So where he goes, that can he can really be a stud. Thinking about it, I mean, he had three years in a row where he was at least top twelve. Yeah, so he's clear there. I'm just trying to think of a, a team off the top of my head that could use that kind of tight end, and there's not a ton because like not a lot of not a lot of teams use their tight ends like receivers do. Um, Mm. I know it's no, tough. Nobody really comes to mind, but you know he's valuable in the right situation. You know, I kind of like him in Detroit. Kind of replace T.J. Hawkinson, who's a better blocking than Gasicki is, but yeah. that's a, that's one more weapon that Jared Goff has. Um, you obviously already have uh, Amaron St. Brown there. You have Jameson Williams coming back, Ooh, yeah, coming back from the injury. Who you know didn't show a ton last year, but he was you know coming off of a bad injury and only played a few games. So I could see him just adding another weapon to that offensive arsenal. It could be huge. I could fuck with that. Ah, oh, that'd be interesting. Mike Isiki. Keep a little eye on Mike Isiki, baby, because he was my guy for about three years, man. Yeah. And he didn't, he didn't have some bad years. He was top 12 for about three years. So yeah, don't judge him because he does a terrible gritty. No, <laughs> he's white. Give him a break. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think in the right in the right system, Gasicki can still be a very very good fantasy value. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, sir. You know I love me some Gasicki, baby. I get down with that. In the right system, he's got his targets. That's what he needs. Yep. He's some targets. So, yeah, that pretty much wraps up our free agency episode, keeping you updated on what's going on. Things are going to, like, keep popping off pretty consistently, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's obviously, we talked about it in the last episode because there's a lot of news to go over. Um, I think a lot of dominoes will start falling once you see uh, whatever happens with, excuse me, with Lamar and Aaron Rodgers. Mm Mm-hmm. I understand those are both just quarterbacks, but I think a lot of free agency in general is kind of being stalled from those guys. 
because yeah. it's just like you don't know where what's going to happen that way, especially with Lamar because he could literally go anywhere. We both think he's going to be back in Baltimore next season. Yeah, but I just feel like those are the two big dominoes to fall for everything else to start to fall in line for the rest of these guys. I mean, honestly, just because I brought up Lamar real quick, actually thinking about the wide receiver position, if Lamar goes back to Baltimore and they ha- they do have a different offense next year because they are you know changing OCs, adding a guy like a Jacoby Myers and and bring him in with Rashad Bateman, I think is a big benefit to like a Lamar Jackson the way that mm-hmm. offense can run. Yeah, possibly that. that that's an interesting take. Jacoby Myers is that guy, huh? I don't. I mean, I don't necessarily think Rashad Bateman or Jacoby Myers, especially at this point in their careers, are true number one receivers. But the combination of them plus Mark Andrews at the tight end position is a pretty good arsenal yeah. of pass catchers to be able to throw to. Um, so you know, I think that that could be interesting. Or even then, I mean, I don't. I don't want to have OBJ go to Baltimore because I think you would be asking too much of OBJ at that point of him having to come in and really be a wide receiver one. Yeah. Um, I think it'd be too much, but you know, just adding more guys to that offense that can be explosive and playmakers for them could yeah. could be super beneficial. No, I'm totally with that. It's gonna be a good off season. That's all I gotta say. Yep. I'm excited, man. A lot of and mo- we got the draft right around the corner, baby. Oh, the draft is coming. A lot of movement going on, man. I mean, other than drafting for for fantasy. Mock draft season, the off season, like a actual mock draft for the NFL is my favorite oh, time of the yeah. year. I love mock drafts. Yes, sir. It'll be interesting to see, you know, draft day trades. There's usually not many, but might be a couple guys who get thrown up in there. There's but it's getting more. Like yeah. it's only thing, NFL teams, you know, GM management, they're more willing to part with picks than they ever have been in the past yeah so you're you're gonna see i swear every year there's more movement in the first round every year than we've seen in the past they don't hoard picks like they used to they're they're more willing to, to wheel and deal for the guys that they love yeah definitely so fun times it'll be fun times yes yeah, sir i'm excited for that shit so yeah uh i think that wraps up the episode right there right yeah, so uh, if you haven't already, follow us at the FF Fathers on Twitter, baby. Interact with us. We will interact with you back. You want some advice? We'll give it to you to our best advantage. And yeah, I think that's uh, just about it. Besides the fact that you should give us five stars, whether you like it or not. Do a little charity, baby. Five stars. Rate us. And yeah. I think that's it, right? That's it. We'll see you next week. We're going to really start to jump into to rookies and the incoming class. It's going to be fun. Fuck. It's already coming around again, man. We'll start watching that film. Yes, sir. So, yeah, if you're interested and you know, you're doing Dynasty stuff, we will be uploading who are top quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, all that kind of good stuff is... So, uh, yeah, tune in for that one. It's going to be coming up real soon for you. And we will catch you later. Bye.